doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl, Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we help millennials of faith gain clarity on what they truly value, manage and increase their income, and crush their financial goals. And today's very special guest is Ifi Ibekwe, and we're going to be talking about estate planning, wills, trusts, life insurance, all that fun stuff. Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining me. Happy Tuesday. If this is your first time here, welcome. Welcome to Them Coins podcast, Them Coins finance podcast, right? So we combine faith, you know what I'm saying? The prayers and the works of these hands and we mix them together and we build wealth, right? We get to the bag and we keep our integrity intact. Okay. Okay. Um, If you like what we're dropping, feel free to like, comment, subscribe, share, do all of the things. And thank you to everyone who has been showing love, supporting. You know, I'm just always so encouraged by the shifting conversation I'm seeing around my loved ones regarding finances. Even some of the conversations I'm having with my own parents, I'm like, whoa, you know, Sometimes you just taking initiative, you know, without trying to like force things down people's throats, right? Like just taking initiative and, you know, trying to set some things in place. And I'm certainly not perfect, but I, I'm seeing the effect of starting this platform and starting and continuing this journey positively affecting those around me. And I hope this podcast is having a positive effect on you as well, right? Despite all the crazy financial things going on. And, you know, I'm not really like an economics podcast or anything like that, but there's been some really interesting sort of business plays and like stock things that have been going on, right? Because a lot of companies have been coming out with their earnings reports and Netflix tanked, like their stocks plummeted because they came out with their earnings reports and they showed that they lost over 200,000 subscribers right? Because you got Paramount Plus, Discovery Plus, Hulu, Disney Plus, you got so many streaming platforms competing with them now. And now they're talking about introducing ad subscriptions, taking away shared accounts. I'm like, Netflix, it's not even that deep. Like, y'all about to lose another subscriber. (laughs) But we'll see what happens. I'm really interested to see how Netflix um, adjusts. Um, and also in other big sort of financial news, uh, Elon Musk is pretty much going to buy Twitter. Now, however you feel about Elon Musk, that's how you feel. It's a very either you love him or you hate him type of thing, but it's a really interesting power play. So for those that don't know, Elon Musk owns over 9% of Twitter. I think he's the largest like individual shareholder in the company, period, right? And when he initially made this proposition to buy Twitter, Twitter was like, "Uh uh-uh. And he basically threatened to pull out his his ownership, his 9% of the company, and Twitter is now reconsidering. So again, very interesting uh, power play because... As we know, if you can control media, unfortunately, you can control the minds of many, many people. So 
the man knows what he's doing. Um, and I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> so <laughs> let me know what y'all think about this. But also in other, you know, personal finance news, right? Stuff that directly affects us. <laughs> We've got inflation, you know, doing its thing and it's just going on up. And I mean, really not a whole lot we can do to control that. I think uh, in hindsight, you know, just being prepared for these moments as much as we can, right? And being wise with our coin in the good times and in the, you know, in the famine and in the harvest. So um, if you caught yourself in a sticky situation this time, hey, there will be more um, inflationary times. If, if we are privileged and God willing, we live long full lives, there will be more inflationary times, more recession-esque type of um, economic sort of cyclical flows. But if we keep with those same good habits living within our means, investing and saving regularly, and, you know, elevating, right, in the job market or entrepreneurship or a combination of both, right, whichever ones you like, then we should be good. And one of the ways you can do that is through life insurance. Yes, yes. So we are going to pick up with our amazing conversation, part two, with Ify Ibekwe. And if you haven't listened to part one, obviously listen to part one, but we are picking up with Ify explaining how her and her family um, have their life insurance set up. My, my other question about life insurance was, I didn't know if you had any recommendations for older people. So like, yeah. you, sometimes like, you know, older people, you know, also are like, oh, you know, they they yeah. you know, they keep living they keep living and then it is coming to that time but then they're kind of scared to look at quotes because yes you know, all those variables and, and so good um so I don't sell any financial products yes. I just mm-hmm. do the estate planning I just marry them with an estate plan but what I would tell you is to reach out to a certified financial planner um, mm-hmm. especially if you are past a particular age and look at what your options are for. Uh, long-term care insurance, um, short-term disability and and long-term disability insurance, um, even term insurance product. There's some out there now because there's been so much discrimination based on age and pre-existing conditions, have your rates really high. My rate's high because my dad died before 60. And that has always just made my, it's not crazy high, but it's much higher than it it could be. And so there are all sorts of things that people might feel like, oh, I can't get it, but go talk to someone and see what your options are and build out your plan. It doesn't matter if you start at 60, if you start at 40, I'm 40. If you start at, I mean, it is awesome to start at 20 or 20. Right, right. If you can, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Cause that's when I started saving for my 401k just passively. And I'm like, what? That's how much money I made in that time. Just leaving that stuff alone. It's incredible what can happen if you just start. And so I would recommend speaking to a certified financial planner and not necessarily someone that just sells insurance products because there's some people who are just brokers and they just get a percentage, but someone who can holistically look at your goals, sit down with you and have you prioritize what is important and then advise you based on that. It is, it, it is 
tangential to estate planning. I feel like you need a team, like you need a financial planner, you need an estate planner, you need a CPA in your pocket because we all work really well together and, and can help make the products that you buy from the financial planner work with your estate plan and then taxes are set up correctly because we talked to your CPA. And so that's, that's really adulting in this area is working with professionals because we don't do it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get you a team. <laughs> yeah, get yourself a team. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that's and as as you know, I continue listening. I begin to understand, like, oh, like this is why you need a lawyer because oh, <laughs> there are so many, just so many yes. things that I did not think about, and so even with sort of just the basics of like, what exactly is the difference between a trust and a will? Yeah. That's a great question. I'll take it one step back and talk about estate planning as an umbrella. Okay. So if you look at it as an umbrella term, estate planning, and underneath that umbrella, you have things like wills, last will and testament, trusts, irrevocable living trusts, uh, life insurance trusts, you have joint trusts, individual trusts. Okay. Just all kinds of trusts. So many trusts. Um, you have things like your powers of attorney for financial and medical decisions where you can appoint someone to be an agent, guardianship documents for if you're ever incapacitated or conservatorship, depending on where you live, like designating who would take care of you. In Texas, we have a standalone guardianship. You have things like final distribution, um, final um, final wishes. Do I want to be pre- cremated or have a funeral and be buried, you know, how to write that all out. All of those are under the term estate planning because you're planning for all these parts of your life and none of the things that you plan for in the one area cover the other area, which is why it ends up being hundreds of pages of legal documents that are basically instructions for whoever you pick. A will and a trust are asset distribution tools. And so what they basically say is, this is what you own, and here's how we're going to pass it on. And that could be very simple. It could be all to my spouse or all to my mother. And then if she predeceases me, I want it going to my siblings or my significant other. It can be written in any way you want it to. And depending on your state laws, there might be community and property considerations, but we will not complicate it. So that's what a will does. It says, I want this to go here. And then if it doesn't go here, I want it to go here. And then if that can't work, then I want it to go here. And that's how you distribute your assets. A will only goes into effect upon death because it has to be probated in order to be carried out. And probate is a court process. When someone passes away, you basically close down their estate. If you go the route of a trust, a trust is something that takes assets out of your name. So they're not going to be titled in your name. A will, when you go down to court and you probate it, it's like James died and he is passing on 47 acres in East Texas to these three people, which means their creditors can be like, oh, you're about to come into 47 acres. You haven't paid your credit card bill. They can make a claim on the estate. Or if grandma leaves a house to two siblings and they don't get along, one of them wants to keep the house because it might appreciate and it's in the hot tap part of town. It's up and coming. The other one just wants cash because then you have a problem, right? Because they're going to have to sell that asset in order to satisfy, right? Mm -hmm. And so a trust allows you to have a little bit more control. It can be something that is managed while you're alive 
there are trusts that you can change and there are trusts that you cannot change. It's a great way to shelter assets from creditors. It's a great way to manage assets on the behalf of beneficiaries who might be immature. Um, it's a great way to receive things like life insurance and have <clears throat> a little bit more managerial control and privacy. And so I really push trust because you can put your assets in a trust and you avoid going to probate because probate's public, a trust is privately handled as long as it's properly set up and funded. Another reason you need a lawyer because it's not just, oh yeah, just put it in a trust. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and a lot of people would love to just go on legal zoom and get a 99 cent will or 89 mm-hmm. cent will because <laughs> Dave Ramsey said that they can get mama bear wills. Well, Dave Ramsey would never, okay? Would never because he cares too much about what he's building and he sees like what he's going to leave as a legacy to his children and to their children. And so I just challenge people just to have like a longer vision, like play the long game. You may not see it. You may not live that lifestyle and you may not want to ruin your children, quote unquote, ruin them by giving them too much, but you can put boundaries around it. And at least you get to say, how it can be dispensed. And there are so many ways to figure out how to do that and professionals who can help you figure it out. But it's a commitment. Mm -hmm. But that's the difference between, long story short, a will and a trust. One is private and you can control it a little um, um, better. And then one only goes into effect when you die. And I'm just generalizing for anyone listening who's like, well, there are different types of trust because you can also put trust in wills. But remember, anything in a will will not go into effect until a death. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, that, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. That, hope that makes sense. Yeah, it <laughs> does. It does. That, okay. I do understand now. Okay. So interesting. So, okay. This is like the connections are happening. That's why I'm like, because when um, I started like trying to learn about real estate, I would always hear about probate sales, probate sales. And I didn't really know. Oh, and I'm like, girl. everything is like starting to click as I'm listening to you. Anytime you see a probate sale or a state sale, depending on what they call it in your state, mm-hmm. chances are there are heirs or beneficiaries who are not agreeing. And so sometimes they'll sell off just the property because nobody wants like old grandma stuff. But sometimes they're selling that house because they are they are just getting that cash. Nobody wants to deal with that property. Chances are there is a story there, you know, where they're having to let liquidate because the heirs, they want their cash. They want their payout. And that might not even be the person's wish, but because they don't have enough assets to satisfy debts that probate sale or that estate sale is going forward. There's always a story behind those. And then think about it, probate sales, who's running that? There's a company that does probate sales, that does estate sales, so they're getting a cut too. This is all someone's inheritance that could have been managed in a different way to minimize the leaking of that asset, right? It could have just been given to one person with enough cash flow to pay off anything that they needed, or it could be held in trust so that it's not owned by an individual and they can't be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to claim you just inherited that the trust could manage it for your benefit. Right. I mean, yeah. oh, cautionary tales. <laughs> just, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Cause yeah, I would just hear people saying, oh, like, you know, look at probate sales, look at that. And I didn't like, it seemed a little, 
you know, it's a fine line, right? It's like, okay, like people mismanage their assets and you're just seeing opportunity and exactly. Like, but yeah, then you're like, there's kind of slimy. It's like, ah. <laughs> yeah, it's slimier. I feel like when it's like in the black community, because yeah. for so long, people will target the assets there because they might not be considered great assets, right? But when they all buy out and they change all the zoning laws and they change all of the funding and then they build a new school, that shack or that undesirable part of town is the hottest part of town. And that property, if it could have been held onto, is now worth 20 times what it was a decade ago. Well, crazy things like that are happening in Austin. Like that parcel of a shotgun house land that someone is about to erect some sort of a high rise on, right? Or some sort of multiplex where it's like you had one single family, now you've got six living there. That's, that has value. And so not to say don't jump in and get in on a probate sale, but don't let your family have a probate sale if you know they don't need to, right? If they don't need to, then there are conversations that could be had now with the next generation, you know, we're on the precipice of the baby boomer generation passing away. And they're about to hand off the largest amount of cash and assets down to the X's and the millennials and the Gen Z's. I think it, the last number I saw was like $57 trillion. And there's black wealth in that. And there's people of color have wealth in that too. But we need to make sure that as white people pass down wealth, they keep growing their wealth on average. You know, there's a study that came out from Prosperity Now, a report came out that said that Black people were on track to have zero wealth by 2053, median wealth was going to be zero. And for Latinos, it was going to be 2073, whereas the median white wealth, I think, would have climbed up to the 170 something thousand at that same time frame. Theirs is growing, ours is diminishing ways theirs are growing is because they hand it off correctly, either by designating beneficiaries on deeds and things like that, just little things like keeping up with that, or they, they've had a head start, you know, we couldn't use all the tools like estate planning before, but now you can. And so keep even that thing that seems like a hassle, it could be a rent house, it could be, it could be something else, like, don't be so quick to let go of fam family assets. Mm -hmm. That's how you build wealth. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, that was powerful. Mm. Yes. And I who and I know, yeah, I know that you're also like, you know, really passionate about, you know, like women empowerment and like, you know, racial rec reconciliation. And really yeah. a great way to do that is through estate planning. And so it is. I'd be really curious to know. I know um you mentioned like, you know, being passionate about racial reconciliation. Like what what would that and this may be a little too broad of a question, but what does that look like for you? Yeah. For me, it's racial, just, racial justice and reconciliation. Um, I think that, well, I'll give you a background. I'm the national president of Be The Bridge, and it is an organization. It's actually an international organization that actively works to reconcile different races of group, different races of people and help built understanding um, between them, right? Now, this became super popular in the last iteration in 2016 after the Dallas shootings and 
all of the uproar after Trump was elected president and just, you know, people were just not feeling, (laughs) it felt like we were going back to civil rights time, right? Even though things haven't really changed so much, they have changed. And so this organization allows people who have a heart to hear to come and listen. And they have to listen for months before they can even talk or ask questions or give their perspective. And so um, it is a discussion guide, um, leadership led tool giving um, organization where we give tools to high schoolers, college kids, children, um, churches, anyone who has a heart for the subject. I think about in South Africa when Desmond Tutu and uh, Nelson Mandela would talk about truth and reconciliation, and they did it in Rwanda as well with the Hutu and the Tutsi people after um, apartheid and then the genocide just respectively, they had these truth and reconciliation council where people were able to confess their crimes to the people that they offended and receive forgiveness and reconciliation. And it's a model that works. I don't know that America is ready for it because one of the things you have to do is confess that there was a crime, but there are particular people who are moved by it and have a heart that's open to hear it. And I've met some of my best friends this way. I had some friends who grew up real extra racist and, you know, the stuff they can tell me now that they couldn't even tell me, like, I was like, I would never have befriended you if I knew right, right. that's how you were coming up, <laughs> you know, cause that's terrifying, mm-hmm. but there are people who are coming up all around us in all kinds of situations, regardless of whether it's 2022, it's not that progressive. And you can see it just in the shifting in our culture It's getting a little scary, but, um, honestly, it's just like that open door for those who have a heart to hear and to make Um, the effort to come in and hear from people who are marginalized and, and learn ways that they can be better with dealing, you know, in a, in a society that is so racist and, and um, prejudicial and and unjust. So that's, that's one of the things in my heart. I try not to be jaded about it because it can get very Mm -hmm. discouraging (laughs) because you take two steps forward and it feels like you take 15 back and you're like, are we about to go back to, what are they trying to do? Are you trying to like go back to slave times? Because mm-hmm. there will be people who would absolutely say, yeah, it was better in slavery when you were just working for us and shutting your mouth. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I live in Arkansas, you know, and I'm from Texas. And so trust me when I say that that is still a mentality for, for too many people. Okay. And so, and we try and reach the ones who can be reached. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Ooh, cause it's, yeah, so there's two much stories where you're like, I want you to be honest, but not that honest. Goodness gracious. Oh my That's God. That's terrifying. Yeah. And I also think about it from the perspective of like what my kids have already experienced with racism, you know, or for example, this is not like a racial justice. I feel like it is actually a, a woman's hair justice thing. So my girls get beads in their hair. And one of my daughters has She has a ton of hair and, you know, she gets a lot of beads because she loves like the weight of it and just like the fullness. And I dropped her off at school a couple of days ago and her teacher just, oh, I love your hair and your beads. And it was just like all in her hair. And my four-year-old's body language was like, she is such an introvert. She didn't even like getting her hair done. She just likes it done to be finished, but not the process to get it done. 
And her body was just, you could just tell, mm-hmm. oh, I got to give you tools because it let me realize they're all touching her hair in here. They have been touching her hair in here ever since she started. I didn't even think about it until today. And I, I told, I said, you know, if you don't want people to touch your hair, you, sh- you have to tell them, please do not touch my hair. Take your hands out of my hair. Do you understand? I said, do you want people to touch your hair? She's like, no. And her teacher overheard me and she, she apologized and said, I'm so sorry. I, I should not have done that. And she shouldn't. I was like, get out of my child. It was like all (laughs) clacking the beads and holding up the the two strand twist. And I just thought, ma'am, you are out of pocket. I'm feeling uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And because that's modeling to all the other kids, like, oh, you know, whose hair we do play with a little baby over there. And so, um, just little things like that. Like I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to give my kids tools and empower them because they're facing all kinds of prejudices and, and um, assumptions. She is not to be pet. She's not an animal. And that's part of, you know, with the system of, uh, which I've learned, as I said earlier, I'm an immigrant. I became a naturalized citizen. We are infanticized. Is that the word? Or or infantilized? I can't remember the word where we're almost like, yeah, like, yeah, we're mm -hmm. like pets and little Mm -hmm. children, you know, you play with, yeah, like you can play with us and touch our hair Mm -hmm. and touch our bodies. Whereas I can't ever think of a con, uh, like any time I would ever like run my hands through anyone's hair or anyone's child's hair. Okay. Absolutely not. And so there's that, there's like that, um, you know, cultural competency that is not afforded to us because I think this culture has just drilled in some real underlying, deep-rooted, terrible practices that are still prevalent today and people don't even know they're doing it and they don't even mean to do it. They just assume that that's okay because our hair is, our hair is exotic, you know? So that's part of it. That's part of it. Yeah, that. Yeah, we we got some ways to go. Um, mm-hmm. But I am, yeah, I am happy that there are organizations like yours, like Be the Bridge, where yeah, we're giving people that space. If yes, if you are open, we're not talking about like you know, yeah, Bigot Bill over there. No, we're talking about like people. Oh, I know, Bigot Bill can go right. You know, he was <laughs> he can go raid the Capitol again because okay. that's what he's gonna do, <laughs> right? <laughs> Right. There were people from my county there too. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> oh yeah, in the local news, they were calling them out like, oh, such and such from blah, blah, blah. Yeah, oh, wow. down the street from where I live, you had your legs on Nancy Pelosi's desk and you live in my county? I'm horrified. <laughs> right. And a little bit like brought down to earth. I'm like, oh, okay, we really do live in Arkansas. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And um, you also during that you mentioned cultural competency and I know mm-hmm. that you have a book coming out soon. yeah so if you I'm could, so excited yeah if you can tell us a little bit about that so we can be on the lookout when it does come yeah out. so I'm writing a book um I actually speak about I'll be in Chicago speaking about this in March of 2022 um and it's the idea that people might want to get their estate planning done but feel like it is not accessible to them so I'm coming at it from two angles um personally and professionally, I speak to lawyers and I want to encourage new lawyers. I speak to um, 
law schools. I speak to current lawyers. I write in <laughs> lawyer magazines about the importance of cultural competency and the provision of the law. Um, we have 86% of lawyers are white, predominantly men, and only 5% are black, 5% are Latino, and I believe like 3% um, and maybe 2% are Asian and any other, right? And that's a lot of people who um, people just naturally gravitate to people who look like them and feel comfortable. About pe- and unfortunately, in the law, that means that we do not have proportional representation. And um, estate planning is also such a niche part of the law that you're not going to find a lot of estate planners, you know, you just won't because I can't find them and I do this for a living. And so what I want to do is help people find the ones who can help them by helping them understand what the documents are and what they do and which ones they can ask a lawyer about. And then also help them find lawyers that are going to be down and not say, oh, okay, I did a balance sheet and you don't really own much. So you don't need a trust because you can just go through probate and hire a lawyer. It's not going to cost you, but yeah, it could cost you because they're not thinking in that long game. They're not thinking that that asset could appreciate that land could appreciate. They're just saying, liquidated, it's fine, you're poor anyway, right? There's that mentality. A lot of lawyers that are in my field, estate planning, work with legacy families. They have things called family offices that manage their um, finances, their taxes, their estate planning. It's a one-stop shop, shop, but you have to have a certain threshold to be part of that. And so mm-hmm. what we need to do is find the lawyers who are not looking for, you know, white shoe law firms is what they call that is literally what they call white shoe law firm, where you have to come with a book of business of X million dollars in order to even become an associate there. They're not looking for us to help us, right? They're just like, you know, you poor people, even if you have millions, like, yeah, you'll be fine. You'll find your way. What I want to do is help people find the way from where they are, whether it's helping them find pro bono or low bono, legal services, helping them have questions that they can have answered, um, just understand the subject area. So my book is called Willpower and it's coming out in 2024. I got it. I sold my book to a traditional publisher and I'm really excited to be able to have something on the market, honestly, to help people. I really feel, I know I've spoken about my calling. I, I do a devotional and sometimes I'm like, should I continue doing this? And then I think, this is why I do what I do, because I want to democratize estate planning. I want to make it normal for the 70 percent of so or so of Americans, particularly black Americans and other people of color who are not using estate plans. Like what's happening to all their property? Not everyone is destitute. And even if someone is destitute, they have the ability to make decisions about their health care. Like give me my body bodily rights. Like how can we make I feel like I would want that even if I was broke you know like how can I help people get that done so yeah thanks for asking it's a passion area culturally increasing cultural uh, competency in the provision of legal services that's my heart but the book is going to be for the people yes well I can't wait till that comes out (laughs) yes let us know we can pre-order that (laughs) yes 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 please do yeah so Wow. So Tiffy, <laughs> you have done and are continue to do 
you know, just a ton of awesome things. And as you said, you could very well just be, you know, in a plush job, minding your business, you know, just, just chilling, but you decided to take on that call. And for that, I am very, very grateful. And I know my audience is very, very grateful for you. And, you know, when you look back on all your experiences and, you know, your life and your family, is there anything that you feel like, ah, dang, like, I wish I would have changed that or wish I would have done that a little differently? Um, I think that with estate planning or or having my own law firm, I, I, I don't regret starting when I started, but I feel like I had to be pushed out to start because I just didn't want to trust that it would work. And I wish I had bet on myself a little bit earlier. And I also wish that I had started investing earlier, honestly. Um, You know, even my dad, I talked about being spoiled, which I was, I'm not going (laughs) to lie. He was like, why don't we buy you a place in Austin when I was in college, right before I was going to go for three years of law Mm -hmm. school. And I was like, no I'm not gonna stay in this sleepy college town you know this is like early 2000s and now I'm like that would have been a mint you know I could have a rental property I could have a home in Austin that I've owned for like almost 20 years and just little things like that was like I didn't know I didn't know I was 20 I didn't know anything about life and now I'm like (laughs) that's what I think I'm going to think of that for my kids, though. I'm going to use that because he wasn't going to force me. I'm like, but you're about to get me a property. And I said, no, I'd rather rent. Like, what? <laughs> you should have overruled that and be like, you're going to live where I tell you to live. So, yeah, that's one. Gotcha. Okay. So, cool. So, you like what you're doing, but just wish you start a little earlier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. And do you have, you know, I, I can only imagine what your sort of daily regimen looks like. Do you have any sort of like routines or like mantras or anything that kind of like grounds you to get your day started? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I have a pretty, um, I I have start pretty early, not because I'm trying to grasp no miracle morning or anything, but I am part of a running club. So I like to get in my runs early. I'm training for, I just did a 8k and then I have a 10k at the end of March and then I have a 12k I'm uh, a half marathon (laughs) 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 and so I like to work out or go swimming um, or do like a stretch class in the morning and then I'm pretty religious about no pun intended pretty religious (laughs) about doing my daily devotional every morning Um, and then I'm an avid planner. So I have like my tasks for the week and I try and distill them to daily tasks and have like three things I would like to accomplish and check off. I have all these systems to check off and you can't see it now, but on my desk, I have my planner and then I have like my, my daily to accomplishment sheets where I put all my stuff on that I want to do, um, and then I have like all the list of like the larger things that I'm doing. I'm holding them up and showing it. I'm, I'm into my colored pens. But yeah, that's what I would do. I'm not super strict about it. And I have learned not to be as regimented in goal setting because I can set a goal. Okay. Writing a book was a goal. Revenue goals. Like I'm a goal setter. But I this year I'm embracing a little bit more ease and looseness in that and really looking for things that are aligned like for example I said that it's kind of slow for my business right now and instead of worrying about it I'm just like embracing 
that slowness. And, you know, if I'm not feeling 100%, I'm just going to rest that day to charge up because I know there's going to be something tomorrow. And so just being mature, I just turned 40. I had COVID at the end of the year. That was such a perspective giver. And just like wanting to live a life that is, is truly balanced and, and enjoyable and, you know, challenging, but not a struggle. Does that make sense? Oh, and yeah, not no. hustle all the time. So that's my general philosophy. That and just being curious. I love to learn new things. Okay. Okay. No, that's, yeah, that's awesome. I think, yeah, I'm finding that like people like yourself who are, you know, super driven <laughs> sometimes like, oh, I need to make a little more room for some life. I yeah. some life. It's harder. Yeah. It's harder because I could be if I didn't have stops in my life or people who would just come and interrupt me, like I have to lock my door to do this interview because um, my kids are frozen in today, um, I would just go. I would not have any stops. I would just go until I had to go to bed because I have big dreams and I'm like, this is how you achieve them. And it really isn't. Rest and ebb and flow is part of life. Mm-hmm. I like that. Absolutely. And when you are, you know, resting, ebbing and flowing, do you have a favorite food or a favorite drink that is like your go-to? Not for that, but I'm a bath taker. I enjoy a bath. Okay, (laughs) I do. I have a bath ritual. I have uh, essential oils, um, Mm. candles. I'm more of like a, a, a sensory aromatherapy type person. I'm not a, I drink a particular tea that is absolutely delicious. I'm a big coffee drinker, but I stop at a certain point in the day and then I switch to Bengal spice tea. And um, I think it might be by Celestial Seasoning. (laughs) (laughs) It's not fancy, but it's like $2.50 at the Walmart. I live in Bentonville. So listen, it's the home of Walmart. That's our only place I shop. Don't judge me. I know it's political, but you get it $2.50 at Walmart. You get like 20 or 30 bags of it. And it's a cinnamon spice tea. It's almost like a chai without the milk. And because it's so cinnamony and spicy, it has a sweetness to it, like a legit sweetness to it. And it's just the most delightful end of the day tea for me. Um, I'm not a huge drinker. Um, You know, I love all things Korean food, but, you know, I'm not cooking that at home. So, but yeah, (laughs) I love, I love Asian food and I like Nigerian food. So True. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, if <laughs> you certainly have given me a lot to think about today, and I'm sure <laughs> everyone listening, um, if you don't have an estate plan, get into it. Get exactly. you one. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And we're gonna make sure to leave all of if he's confident contact information her website um her instagram her linkedin <laughs> all the things in the description and make sure to reach out to her you know if you have questions or if you you know don't know where to start with estate planning she will definitely be willing to help you out yes thank, thank you, you again and another amazing episode shout out to ify see why we couldn't fit this all into one part you see why we needed the two okay and shout out to all um my nigerian brothers and sisters okay they've been bringing in some heat i've had some fantastic guests okay from people country nigeria um ghana you need to step up okay <laughs> if y'all know any ghanian of uh, financial professionals tell them to come my way but um 
in all seriousness, um, it's just such an important topic and no one wants to really talk about it, right? Your ultimate demise and what happens to you and your ultimate demise. But it is so important because when you don't create a plan, then your state does it for you. Um, and I love this concept of democratizing estate planning because I actually did not know this idea of sort of legacy families. Like we know that people tend to like to work with the same sort of people, but I didn't know that they would purposely exclude out people who did not, um, come from this lineage of family with millions of dollars and assets and all of that type of stuff. So that was very eye-opening. And so y'all, listen, we got the power, we have the utility, we have God on our side. Okay, so there's nothing that we can't do, right? And by 2053, the average net worth of white people will not be zero. Let's go out there and let's make a positive impact. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to reach out to me via email. Hello at demcoinsonline.com. Also feel free to check us out on Instagram, dem.coins. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? (laughs) I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.